Hi, I'm Jamal Herwig Doris. I'm one of the podcasters from Thrive, involved with the Gifted Young Generation Group in Kent. We were asked by the Royal Opera House Bridge to find out about life for young people across the UK. Over the last four months, we've been speaking to lots of young people, like our friends and others involved in youth groups from up and down the country, not to forget some of our teachers and carers. So here's a little summary of our findings. We asked them all the same question. What is it like to be a young person in 2019? Some of the responses we received might just surprise you. We had our eyes and ears open to very different lifestyles and experiences from across the country. For example, we gathered things such as fears of the future, benefits of social media, growing up as LGBTQI+, and many more. You're about to hear some of the highlights from five different podcasts. Sitting next to me, Princess, Mason, Emma and Fian. Believe me, there was a lot to say. We're going to start off with Amy and Sinead from A New Direction, a youth group in East London. Can I ask Amy and Sinead, if you could sum up what it feels like to be sort of alive at this current moment, like as a Londoner, as a young person, in one word, how would you summarise it? (laughs) Put you on the spot, haven't we? (laughs) Unpredictable. Oh, I love that. Why? Um, well, because, you know, I turned on the television one day and this isn't something funny. I don't want it to be, like, taken lightly, but I turned on the television one day and Grenfell was up in fire and then I turned on the television the other day and, um, Brexit was happening and then I turned on the television the other day and then Donald Trump's president and all that type of stuff and all these... The sad thing is, I don't really have any positive, like, you know, experiences to add on top of those three. It's just, things like that just keep on happening, and it is surprising, but but a little bit, no, it is surprising, because, you know, you expect people to understand that with all the messages being changed, you know, climate change is happening, we need to do more, and then America pulled out the Paris climate uh, agreement. agreement and then you know all these things are being said that we need to help our earth we need to be better we need to have more empathy for other people and we're literally going in the entire other direction and it is sad because you want to have hope how do you feel like i think um it's unpredictable in your personal life as well like you don't know when you can move out from home you don't know what kind of opportunities might be coming up around the corner like your life can totally turn around quite quickly if the right thing happens but there's a little bit of luck involved in that I think yeah and uh you need to have the right information have the right contacts you know know the right people to get somewhere so at the moment, I'm just like at home with my parents and hoping one day to be able to get out and move out and start, you know, creating my own life. But I can't predict when that's going to happen. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of insecurity there, like job insecurity, sort of uncertainty, isn't there? However, yeah, totally. in like, say in this in moment, exact in time in 2019, how do you feel like these things are affecting you? What's going on around you? How are these things making you feel? Do you feel like your life is being impacted by these things? I feel like I feel like I have less control over my life, if you know what I mean. Like, I feel like things are kind of out of my hands sometimes, and I don't have that, like, kind of empowerment to make a change on it. Uh, I don't know about you, Sinead. Um, I feel like they're having greater impact on my life than I realised at this point in time. Because I still have the insecurity of, like, you know, definitely, like, you know, I want to live in my parents for now. But I don't, 
I don't seem to realize, maybe like conscious, no, subconsciously, I guess, I don't seem to realize that, you know, 10 years from now, I need to be on the property market, hopefully. Like, I need to, I need to vote. I need to pay bills and taxes. Like, I don't seem to realize that all these things happening now will definitely one day have a huge impact on my life, as, especially if I choose to stay in London. Yeah. So I think just those, it is scary, I guess, and unpredictable in that way. Be quite terrifying if you overthink it. So. Yeah, it's, it is. Yeah, life right now is scary and unpredictable. But in the same breath, I think we can all say that it's we're so blessed to be in a time like this. Because yeah. even though a lot of bad things are happening, I think that it seems like more is happening because social media is so like prevalent in our lives right now. It seems like all the negatives are just being sh- like screamed out. But I think there are a lot of positives in the you know in the same breath because. As young people, I think we do have a lot of opportunities. We're learning. You know, we're learning. Mm-hmm. And we have the, we have a lot of us, not everyone has the privilege to, but a lot of us have the, we can be worried about what's happening. You know what I mean? We, But we can choose our path more so than ever, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. before it was a lot of, you do this because you're from this or you are you look like this or you do that. But now it's kind of a thing where life is evolving, it's changing and we're being able to choose our path and even if we're not sure what the path is i think we can just change our path and we have the freedom to be able to do anything you know people are making money of videos mm. on youtube yeah that was not possible before people used to just do stuff for fun on youtube and now people are millionaires as you heard briefly the conversation was intense with there being a great fear of unpredictable situations and what the world has in store for us to be honest some of these views were not what we expected to hear leaving us speechless at certain points. We also talked about big topics for young people. For instance, society, life in general, and how we feel schools could or should support young people and our futures. For me, I think that arts and cultural organisations need to spend as much time and money partnering with schools and with big employers to make the case for that you know, education and how so many jobs are being created with cultural and creative skills involved, you know, they just need to get the message out there because I think a lot of people and maybe politicians as well aren't aware of that. And just following on from what Amy said, I think um, another big thing to me is probably be representation, that whole thing of going into schools, you know, and sure, I know a lot of people go into schools and they listen to what the young people say, but are they actually taking what those young people have said and doing something about it? Because yeah. people, you know, you anyone can come into a school and take down, the, you know, a paragraph from every single child in that school. But if you don't do anything with it, then what's the point? And that's because young people have been screaming for ages that they want more representation, they want more of this, they want more of that. You need to, like, invest in the youth right now to essentially provide for your own future. Mm. And we've been screaming that for years, and the government isn't listening. So it's all great, you know, like, talking and stuff. But they need to actually listen and... um take on board younger people, they need to take on fresh faces, they need to invite um, new ideas onto um, the arts panel, they need to invite young people and people of, you know, different cultures onto their, um, into the team. It can't just yeah. be the same people, the same type of people for forever, you know, you need, if you want to represent, not even just London actually, if you want to represent what the UK looks like nowadays and you need different people they can't just all be the same type of person they need to have new ideas and you know different opinions and backgrounds so 
that could definitely revamp and help the arts tremendously in every form. Schools, teachers, guidance were all topics that feature throughout most of the conversations we had, just like when we spoke to some of our local friends. I feel like I'm not getting the support I should be getting because like, I can't lie to you, like there are people out here struggling. Like at one point in time, I was struggling. I was like, I'm sick of it. I can't do this yeah. anymore. I just wanted to stay in bed, close my door. No one talked to me, leave me alone because of the fact that everything was getting to me, the pressure from school, the pressure from family, the pressure to just make yourself feel as if you've achieved something, almost as if grades determine everything. And it's quite sad that our school or schools put that mentality in you that grades define who you are, grades mm -hmm. are this important, and you have to get those grades to achieve something in life. And the fact that they put that kind of pressure personally on me, I feel like it doesn't help at all. Like I have been very stressed and I feel like my school weren't there for me the way they should have been. Outside of school as well, we discussed the impacts of gangs and violence. Yourself. I'm Esther and I'm 14. Um, I think there's a lot of like gangs, they are like family to each other. Like if you kill one of our gang members, we'll kill one of your gang members. And I think like if they're getting that kind of like feeling that they belong from their gang and they're not getting it from somewhere else, then they're going to be pushed into gangs. Like so many young kids, I know like young people like at the age of 11 who have knives in their room and they're part of gangs. Like, I don't know, I couldn't blame it on parents, like, totally, because it's it's like it's everyone's fault, it's like society's fault, it's school's fault, it's family's fault, it's everyone, because if the family is like, for example, parents are out all day and their kids are just at home, their kids have, like, no one they're talking to or, like, no family or, like, any, like, like support from their family. They're gonna go and find it from somewhere else if your parents aren't giving it to you or if your school isn't supporting you and getting you like in the right things and like helping you to become the young person you wanna be, then they're gonna go and find it in somewhere else. And sometimes they're finding it in gangs and killing each other. But like, I couldn't really say that killing someone, I couldn't say that killing someone and being able to put a knife in someone is because of parents' fault. I think it's just like something they've, the gangs have like groomed young children into doing because no parent is responsible for their child putting a knife on someone else. I'm sorry, like that's, there's something wrong inside their head for you to be able to go and say, you're, I'm stabbing someone. There's something seriously wrong. So I think it's like grooming young people from a young age to like think that it's okay to do it. And once they've seen someone else doing it, they're like, oh, it's fine. And especially if they look up to that gang member, they're like, oh, I can go and stab someone else. So it's like a kind of chain reaction. It's happened for ages. Then they're grooming other people who are gonna like groom the next generation. Let me just say, um, I really think it all just links back to like the thing that started it with peer pressure. Yeah. Like not yeah. peer pressure is in, you're not like cool if you do it, peer pressure is in. One person has it. So if you don't have it, you're not gonna be prepared and able to protect yourself. So yeah. it's like, if one person comes up, you're like, you're not gonna try and race a car with your legs. So I mean, like, if you're going out on the streets, like, you're not gonna go out and like not carry a knife if someone else has it. So it's like, I really feel like the only way, and I, truthfully, I think it's too far to do anything now. But I mean, I think the only way that we could do it is get rid of that stigma, like, get get rid of that concept that you need to have a knife. Because if one person get, obviously, it's not gonna help, but it might. But if one person gets rid of it, then another person might. And it's just the fact that it's like, like, as on Spotify, like, mm. that I see it like they're every three, four ads. And that's like just slowly getting the message out there, like, like stop knife crime, like you don't need a knife. What are your opinions in terms of the link between knife crime and poverty? Yeah, Finny? Oh, hi, um, yeah, I'm Finny, I'm back again, innit? But um, <laughs> me personally, yeah, I feel like people 
enter into that life because of the image the life brings. Entering, people don't enter gangs all the time just to, for fun. No mm. one wants to have a target on their back for mm. fun. People entered these lifestyles, like people I know that are affiliated entered because of the fact that where they were was not, it was not a good area. Mm. They weren't being provided for. There was no, there was like their parents were in poverty. Like they want to help their family and they feel like entering into that life because you see the way it's portrayed. You see maybe the designer they have, the cars they whip, and you feel like this person has money they're in a gang, that's the way I'm going to get my money to help my mum pay her bills. Music, sports, all of this stuff has been cut. Like, people can't express themselves through the way they want to express themselves. People can't express themselves through their singing, their rapping, their playing instruments, through their making of clothes. Like, our schools and areas aren't helping us in those things to express ourselves, to get out the anger we have, to get out our point of view, our emotions, that we have that we feel the government have lacked us. Do you get what I mean? This discussion was very proactive and inspirational. You can listen to the rest of it on our channel. It's called Life, School and Other Things. So we had to pick out some of the best bits from the numerous podcasts we've recorded. And we just had to include how the arts can be a positive impact for students regarding their well-being. So Ori, um, obviously as we discussed how art seems to be one of the big things that could improve people's mental health and their well-being would would you feel from your experiences in school is that something that they should do or yeah i do drama and i feel like a lot of it is just like okay grades grades and then when i get to like when i see drama on my timetable i'm like okay great yeah. i have a chance where i can like express myself where i can feel comfortable because i know it's like a safe space i feel like they're good because obviously I go to a girls' school, so I feel like it's more accepted for girls to do like drama yeah. than boys. But still, if I say to my friend, oh, I do drama, they'll be like, why do you do drama? What do you expect to do with that? But I feel like I didn't think, oh, what am I going to do with drama in the future? But I thought I enjoyed it. It helped me like grow in confidence. Yeah. It helped me be me. That's why I wanted to do it and because I enjoyed it. And I feel like people shouldn't choose subjects just because of, oh, this is a future job, but because they enjoy it and because they like it. We should be encouraged as young people to do what we enjoy. Yeah. And if what you enjoy is drama, music, whatever it is, if it's not accepted, like you should still do it because you like it. And it shouldn't matter what other people say, but it should be about what you think and what you enjoy and what you like. I think what people forget is with stuff like drama and the arts in general, you have to learn it. You have to practice. Yeah. It's not just a thing. Obviously, there's natural talent, and you have like it starts off. <laughs> it starts off with natural talent. Um, you can't just be able to draw like Picasso in two seconds. No. You need Picasso. to go. Um, you still have. To oh, is it Picasso? Yeah. All right. I say Picasso. Tomato, tomato. Anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, you can't just draw like. Leonardo da Vinci in two seconds. <laughs> in two seconds, you need to sit down, you need to draw, you need to keep on thinking, you need to look up other artists that you're interested in, see what they do, how they, like, it's not a thing where it's, oh, one, two, three, I have a hobby, that's it. Some, like, it's the thing that you should be able to take seriously just as mass is taken seriously, drama, art, music, that should be a serious thing too, not a thing where it's just like, on the side. I think people think because it's fun, that is not serious. But some mm -hmm. people find maths fun. You know, some yeah. people oh, yeah. are like, yes, can't wait to do algebra. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> some people are on that. But because people just see it as a, a DOS thing, it's kind of 
pushed to the side. I think there is a lot more of a stigma surrounding mm -hmm. the arts, yeah, 100%. especially drama, music, art, maybe not so much, but still there is. And so, Jamal, do you want to so say a little bit about that? When I did drama last year, there was only, including me, there was three boys in our, mm -hmm. in our class out of a class of, I don't know, about 25. Um, so everyone's always like, oh, what, what option you got, what option you got? Like when we first did options, oh, I did drama, I did drama. I'm like, they're like, why? Like you could do so many better things, but I wouldn't, why can't I have my own opinion and keep it to myself? Why do you have to mm. like, Sorry. Do you think there's yeah, a stigma no, surrounding it? The yeah, fact that yeah, there is for sure yeah. because like like I said before, the stereotype in that, oh, you must be like gay or something like that. Um, it's I don't get how it's come about. How you you can express yourself in so many different ways. So why should drama be a thing that you can't express express yourself in? Stigmas in society was a core discussion with some of the LGBTQI plus group from the Oxford Youth Arts Partnership. We spoke to Huru, Dan and Chloe to discover what it was like growing up as transgender in our generation. Um when it comes when it comes to school it's like you think it's gonna be like a good thing but if you like come out to people as who you are other than like being part of the lgbt community if you like come out as that at school you think it's going to be fine and everyone's going to accept you because like we're all young and part of the new generation and you know they're going to get it but sometimes it's not exactly like that and I faced quite a few struggles with my classmates because they didn't, I don't think they fully understood what me being trans was and how um, I was like trying to present myself. So they just kind of found it easier to just make fun of me for it instead of trying to talk to me about it. Yeah. That makes sense. So people like, don't like what they can't understand, basically. So what's your support? Do you have any like support with that from maybe your um, teachers or parents? With, when it comes to support, I um, like when moving here, my mum probably knew it was going to be difficult for me to like fit in at school because of who I was. Yeah. So she was like browsing around for different places for me to meet new people, and then she found OYAT, which is like the organisation that like runs the acts, and another group called Yobs. And um, it was nice to just meet young, like accepting people to like help me if I was going through a struggle at school and I do have my mum to talk to if something does happen. Do you feel like your school has done anything to help you or to make you more comfortable? Pardon? Do you feel like your school has done anything to help you or make you more comfortable? Like the, not just like the children, I mean like the actual higher ups, like the teachers, are they? Um, the, the teachers, they, uh, they really do try their best and they like, most of them are very understanding about my situation and use the correct pronouns and everything. And um, if it does come to something happening at school, I do have support to talk to, but sometimes I'm not exactly fully comfortable to talk to them about it. Why, why aren't you comfortable talking to them about it? Because I've just not, ha because I've been through like my life not having a good experience when it comes to people knowing I'm part of an LGBT part <laughs> part of the LGBT community and I just it just hasn't really put me in a position where I'd want to talk to people about it. So it's kind of like that mental state that you can't really 
get out of it if you want if you know what i mean yeah and it's and it's also that um i've not really been taught like in school i haven't been taught about the lgbt community and what i'm feeling and how um it's okay for me to be feeling what i'm feeling so i kind of it just kind of stems from that as well so do you think there should be more education for teachers on that definitely for teachers and the students the online community it depends on what you're kind of like I don't know how to word this. I'm looking for, like, what you're kind of looking for or something. So, um, when you find people, like, of the same experience, it's a really good experience and you can talk out what you're going through and how other people are going through the same thing. Yeah. But um, you do find people who pretend to be like that and then they, like, people call them the trolls. But, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, there'll be people, like, pretending to be a certain person and then all of a sudden they're not that person anymore. It's kind of like they've just been messing around the entire time, which is a downfall of social media because you can't tell if the person's actually who they say they are. You can be whoever you want on social media. Yeah. You can't tell. Yeah. But do you think that aspect of being whoever you are on social media is also a positive in a way that even though there are a lot of liars and people that will deceive... Do you think that it gives you the freedom to be whoever you want to be in terms of, like at school is the thing where if you are who you are, you will be squandered. But on social media, if you surround yourself with positive people, do you think it's good to be able to be whoever you want to be? Yeah, definitely, because it does make you feel more comfortable with yourself and helps you figure out who you are as a person. So despite all of your um, trials and like tribulations, all the bad stuff, do you think that the only positive points to be in a part of the lgbt community and being a young person at this point um i mean the community the yeah. community is amazing there are so many people if you need help that you can talk to and there's things like pride yeah, yeah. Are... we were just about to mention that do you have you yeah, gone to yes. pride this did you go last year i went last year how was it oh, for you the... Pride was a really good experience for me. Why? Um, I went with my friends, yeah. and that's the first thing. I went with people who understand me and care about me, and they because I have really bad anxiety, yeah. they looked after me the entire time. They were there. I knew they were there. And it was just so nice to be in like a safe space, surrounded by people who knew what I was going through and understood. And I think, I think Pride is just such an important thing to exist. Yeah, so important. So, do you feel like freedom of expression is is what kind of helps you guys? Like, we know that you recently did a photo exhi- a photo photography exhi- exhibition. Yes, we did. Yeah, I can't think uh, the word, but yeah, how was that? Yeah, for you? the photography thing that we did are actually going to be on the front cover of the Pride uh, Guide. Wow! Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. What did it's you? Really cool. What was that? The subject matter of the photography. Like, what did you take? What pictures did you take? Uh, we took pictures like focusing on holding hands because oh. in the LGBT community, there's there was a survey um, oh, taken by like taken by the government, and it showed that 
two in three LGBT like couples were were too uncomfortable to hold hands in public because of the because of the public perception of the LGBT community. Yeah. So you wanted to show that the freedom that you want. To yeah, have. we wanted. Yeah, we wanted to show that it. No matter who you are, uh, what you are, who you love, it's okay to um, express it. to express it and to show. And so, what we did is we went into Vista, and while we were taking the photos, a lot of people were asking about what we were doing, like in a positive, um, like kind of like really curious about what was going on, and really wanted to know what was happening and support us. Another reoccurring theme we've heard is the importance of being within the community, whether that be within school, online, in life, or a part of a gang. For example, the Curious Minds group in Preston shared how social media can help communities expand and bring people in. It can kind of like help boost these communities and give some people an incentive to do stuff, or maybe they won't have that incentive in the past. Uh, what about uh, you, Anna? What are your opinions in terms of this social media perspective? Well, I was just thinking while you were talking about, actually, um, does it affect the the way that we, the kind of the quality of our connections, right? So maybe we might be sharing things with our friends, um, but what we're actually looking for is likes rather than a kind of a genuine mm-hmm. connection. That was something I was just thinking about. Yeah, I mean, I'd say so. Because yeah. you go out with friends and then... You kind of like all the time you say, oh, let's take another picture. Let's do this and do that. Because it's kind of like, uh, oh, if I take this picture of us having fun here, people online will know that I'm having fun. And it's kind of like you should be in the moment having the enjoyment rather than wanting other people to feel like you are. You mm-hmm. know, there's that pressure to please everybody else mm-hmm. rather than just enjoy the moment. Mm-hmm. But when you yeah. say that that pressure to like post it, um, to like get so many likes, when you say that's more directed to social media such as Instagram rather than more stereotypical, like more standard uh, such as Facebook? Um, well, I think it's kind of like everywhere personally because, I mean, I, I, I'm luckily enough to like try not to use social media as much. Yeah. Uh, I use Facebook and a lot of people still, they will post new profile pictures quite a lot and if they go out, they'll like put like, oh, you know, gone to this place, yeah, a good time with yeah. all these people. And it's kind of like, you know, you don't necessarily need to let everybody know what you're doing 24-7. But I think Instagram, like, from my knowledge, that's like a lot more like pictures, isn't it? So you yes. are always posting these pictures and, you know, that's not necessarily a good thing, is it? You know. So it's almost like a sense of competition here between all these different people on social media. Oh, who, who can get this? Who can get this? Who, who has the best life, etc. We also discovered how jobs and finding work was challenging for young people. We heard from an arts graduate, Anna, who told us about her journey in life, having to move to the complete opposite end of the country to find a job. Amber, who has autism, also shared her views on how young people with disabilities have struggles finding work. Uh, well, well, nowadays it's hard for people with disabilities to to get jobs, and and um, there's not many people that don't have a job. It's only like 6% of people have a job with a disability, which I don't think is a good figure. Why do you think that is? Why do you think people aren't um, disabled people aren't having that, the same opportunities as those who don't have that disability? Uh, probably, probably because um, probably because people don't probably because people judge them and don't think that they're good for jobs. But uh, but but then people with disabilities that like, they have they 
have great skills, that will be that might, that will be beneficial as well for jobs as well. So, how do you think we can fix this? What is the solution to this this problem? Uh, maybe like do like um, um, do like newspaper articles about people with disabilities that have jobs. I point out like how people with disabilities, how good they can be. Like highlight that. You mean? Mm. Yeah. It, it's breaking down that stigma surrounding it as well. It's saying that just because I have a disability, that doesn't mean that I'm restricted to doing these fantastic things. I'm as capable as you are to doing the same job. The topic of careers was called to other podcasts. Just like our podcast with one of the most important people involved in a young person's life, our teachers. So careers advice is part of the solution that, that careers advisors need to be plugged into, not how the economy is now, but where it's going to be in 20 years time. And, you know, they need to be proactive with saying, and here, here are the potential um, careers. Absolutely. Well, I think the solution to that would be, um, you know, an industry professional coming in to, to specifically mm. talk to students that would like a career in, yeah. in mm. the arts. A lot of people got this attitude, OK, you can do the performing arts, but make sure you've got something to fall back on. Yes. Yeah. I've heard that so many times. What have you got to fall back on? You know, that. And as soon as you get that mentality from a young age, you know, even me growing up as a musician, I always said, okay, what am I going to fall back on? Yeah. And it's a horrible thing to have in your head, you know, it's really, you know, knocks your confidence and things like that. So I think it's a, you know, it's a... What you're touching on there is all the surveys of the millennials now and whoever's following them is that what they want in a career is more flexible, is not stuck in an office, is more varied and interesting. So that's what young people who are coming through into the workplace now are actually seeking in a job. So what did we take away from all the different people we spoke to? We found that up and down the UK, the concerns and topics are all collective, especially after asking the same question. The response was doom and gloom, not exactly what we were expecting, as the amount of positivity was low. People's fears, challenges and needs were a few of the common responses we gathered. This podcast is just a highlight of our gatherings. And each group has their own episode where you can hear in much more detail from the people who have taken part. The experiences of the young people are fascinating and mind-blowing in their own ways. And we would like to get these experiences across the country for all to hear. This all wouldn't have been possible without the help of different organisations and people. So we'd like to thank the Royal Uphouse Bridge, A New Direction, Curious Minds, Oxford Youth Arts Partnership, St John's and the Gravesend Grammar School, Blue Rare Technologies, Jane Packham, Cinema Works, and especially the Gifted Young Generation team, who wouldn't be there without the grant in Gravesend. We hope you found this as interesting as we have, and we look forward to seeing some of you at the Thriving Child Conference in June, where you can hear more about the result of our research. Don't forget to listen to the rest of our podcasts. Tune on Spotify, Anchor FM, and Apple Podcasts to hear more from all of our contributors.